Welcome to your digital reputation. Here's your host, Roger Christie. Hello and thanks for joining us. My name is Roger Christie, founder of digital reputation advisory firm Propel. And today we're going to answer the question, can you be on social media safely and successfully without a clear purpose? Now, your immediate response to that question may be very likely no, and I don't disagree. But if you look across the public social web, it's clear to see leaders and their advisors aren't always so purposeful with their choices they make every day online. So something's not quite connecting between purpose and execution. And I'm really keen to explore that topic with our guest today. And at Propel, you know, we talk about purpose as a core driver of our five drivers of digital reputation, as without a clear purpose, leaders increase their chances of having errors of judgment or, you know, the things that they do fail to inspire an audience and end up really just keeping the lights on online. And worse, you know, they leave digital footprints that others find and refer back to to question their credibility. And obviously, no one wants that. So he's a man in demand at the moment, given the focus around our federal election. So I'm very grateful that Evan Eakin-Smith, spokesperson for the Australian Electoral Commission, the AEC, has made time for our Your Digital Reputation listeners to unpack this question today. So thank you, Evan. Uh, No, thank you for having me on. Uh, It's an important conversation. I'm happy to be part of it. I completely agree. And look, the reason, or I suppose the core reason we're having this chat is uh, a few weeks ago now, I read a strategy of yours, uh, your reputation management strategy for electoral integrity, and was struck by its clarity. And now just to reiterate, this isn't a social media strategy per se, but it's a reputation management strategy, which positioned social as an enabler. So with that framing, What's your view, Evan? Can, can you be on social media safely and successfully without a clear purpose? Well, I hope so because we're there. Uh, it's, it's really an important medium, I think. Uh, your digital presence as an organisation these days really can frame who you are, what you're about, how you treat certain issues much more than a lot of your other public voice. Uh, so I think it's important to be on social media, be there for the right reasons, do it in the right way. We're, we're clearly an organisation where a lot of Australians uh, don't look to us very often uh, during the electoral cycle. Uh, of course, we manage the electoral role across the electoral cycle. We redraw boundaries, run a whole bunch of other elections. But really, the federal election is the main game. Uh, we've got a lead up to it. We're heavy into the federal election at the moment. And our digital presence is shaping how people are perceiving us and our services during this COVID pandemic. So it's critically important. Critically important now. And what we see from the outside looking in, it does look quite polished, I've got to say. It looks like you guys have, you know, obviously the strategy, and we'll get into that in a bit more detail shortly, but the strategy is there. I'm assuming the resources and the different operational uh, guidelines, workflows, approval process, all that detail has obviously been ironed out. But I'm guessing you didn't start there. So whether you've been online for years or months, you know, most organisations do grow and mature in their approach. So can you share a bit about your journey, the AEC's journey in social media? Was it ever messy or a bit more tactical? It it certainly didn't start where it is now. Uh, The AEC has been on social media channels since 2012 uh, and I was actually at the agency. I clicked the buttons to open up our Twitter account the first time. Uh, and we were sitting there watching the followers trickle in and uh, ooing and ahhing at which journalists were following us and what have you. So uh, that was uh, an inauspicious start, uh, and I think our first tweet was something very benign about enrolment. Um, and not afraid to say at that point we were really feeling our way and that we're still feeling our way because everything changes every single day on these channels. Uh, but 
we're very deliberate in what we do uh, for this federal election, uh, have been for a few electoral cycles, but it's different this federal election. Our reputation management strategy is new as well and helps inform our social media approach and others. And it's really in response to the environment that we're facing. Uh, more people have been consuming international media around uh, elections overseas than they ever have before. There's been more questioning of electoral processes than there ever has been before. People suggesting fault with the process when there's not necessarily facts behind those suggestions. Uh, and our, our digital presence is key to making sure that we can fight back against that disinformation, uh, get some goodwill amongst the community who are coming up to a really important event that is the federal election so they can trust in election results. So it's a very deliberate strategy, deliberate approach. Uh, I'm glad you think it looks that way because uh, some people suggest it does not. Um, uh, but uh, we're, we're funny when we want to be, we're... Uh, firm when we want to be, uh, we're aloof when we want to be, we treat each interaction on its merits and we have a team and a structure that sits behind it to make sure that we can be active and that we can put put our best foot forward, I suppose. And I want to come back to that structure too because I'm sure others listening will be interested in, in how that all works. But one of the things you touched on there, and I think it's a key point that particularly in our conversations uh, with public sector clients, is this idea of risk. And, and I don't know your exact wording you use there, but essentially what we're saying is avoidance is really the risk. Participation presents you with an opportunity, a skin in the game, if you will, to, to counter any mis and disinformation. Can you talk a little bit about how you came to that mindset? Because as I say, I, I feel it's not, it's not completely unique, but it's certainly not common across the public service. We're a little bit different when it comes to public service communication, that is for sure. I, I think a big part of that is a reflection of the fact that we are truly an independent statutory authority. Um, our approach, both online and in our broader communication, uh, is really led by the Electoral Commissioner. Uh, yes, the Australian Electoral, Electoral Commission has uh, a minister, um, but really we are an independent body who are, who are led independently by the electoral commissioner and, and he's got his his hands deep into this approach and you talk about risk, um, you know, often I think public service agencies, sometimes rightly, sometimes wrongly, think the least risky approach is to do nothing and sometimes it's the best approach um, when you're talking about communication. Sometimes uh, you need you need to hold um, and see where things lay before you, you put your own vocals into it. But... There's, there's significant risk in that. We're clearly being very active. Uh, we think that the AEC being an active voice in the conversation uh, is only a good thing. We are electoral experts. We run the process. So wherever we can inform Australians about how it operates, that's what we're doing. Um, so that's our strategy, to be, to be active, to be judicial in our use of tone and timing and language. Um, you're not always going to get that right, but we think we get it right more often than not and we think we're putting a positive face on the body who runs Australian elections. That's really nice and I like that idea of you've got to have confidence in your authority and in the service that you're providing or even, you know, as you said, the responsibilities that you have um, and that shouldn't vary based on the medium that you're stepping into or you're delivering that message through. It's simply about building the confidence and capability to make that happen consistently across and, and what is in most you know, public sector agencies or statutory bodies' views, what it is is a new or newer environment than some others. So it is just about getting confidence there to be able to do the same job you've been doing in other places. Can, can you even perhaps give us a little bit of um, what, like what I loved about your reputation management strategy or one of the things that jumped out at me were those six 
principles that you have that sit within the framework. Can you explain to me, we will include a link in the show notes for people who are interested, but can you explain to our listeners a little bit about those six principles and how that then enables you to do what you do in the social media world, which is often, you know, quite fast, responsive, dynamic? Yeah, so the principles really are the crux of that reputation management strategy. They talk about the environment, which I've touched on briefly, um, that we're facing. And it is it is a, a potentially toxic environment from some, and we've seen some level of public protests where the AEC and electoral administration has been mentioned recently. Um, and, and we see a lot, of, lot more commentary leading into this federal election than we've ever seen before uh, questioning how elections are run. So it touches on the environment heavily. But how do we tackle it? Of course, operational um, processes are the most important. You've you've got to run a good election. Um, But uh, we could run a a perfect election. But if the way that it's perceived is not so, we're in trouble. Um, So we need to look after both our reality and the perceptions about how we run the election. And the six principles in the strategy really talk to that directly. Um, they are about the fact that we are the electoral experts and that we need to be active and that we need to be seen as the electoral experts. People look towards, you know, ABC election analyst Anthony Green and others, um, Malcolm McCarris, Kevin Bonham, these are um, cephologists they look to to really put an expert voice in there. But, but we are the foremost expert on the process that we run. We're running it. Um, so we've got to be active, uh, but we've got to be careful. Um, it, to be so active takes resources uh, and you, you can't have the electoral commissioner with his fingers on the keyboard. He's got a he's got an important job to do that doesn't include responding to people on social media. So to be as active as we are, you need to have a structure in place that allows you uh, to respond and we are popular at the moment with the election on, to respond in a really uh, timely way uh, to the mundane, to the everyday questions, but of course to the really important critical ones, the ones that are uh, critical of the AEC and our processes, the ones that are misinformed about how the election's been run. And to do that, you've got to have a structure in place and the principles in place to be able to act on it. So that's what we're trying really hard to do. Activity is going to step up when the voting period steps up, when the count is on, uh, but we think we've got processes and structures in place to, to, to cater to that uh, level of demand. Absolutely. As you say, time will tell, but it's, it's looking good again from the outside in. <laughs> I don't know how people are running around internally just yet and maybe in a couple of weeks' time, but certainly so far so good. Look, you mentioned there uh, the Commissioner, Commissioner Rogers. I'm interested to understand a little bit about leadership. We talk a lot about leaders and leadership on this podcast, and I, I really have two questions on that front. And the first is around the work that you're doing, I suppose, how important has endorsement from your leaders been as you've executed this strategy online? Because again, as as we've already touched on, what you do from the outside in or for those that are less familiar with this environment could be perceived as quite risky. Um, Some might even see it as a little bit brash in in terms of, you know, at at times you do goad people to tease out the information, which as I say, it's, it's a constructive process but it's not one that everyone's comfortable with. So, yeah, what ha- how important has their endorsement been and, and what are their views of the work that you've been doing to date? Well, I'm going to say that they're glowing because, uh, <laughs> of course, they, uh, yeah, no, it couldn't happen without it. So this is not an approach that I've just sat there, you know, uh, and said this is what we need to do and I don't care what you think, I'm going to press ahead. Uh, this is an approach that's uh, fully got the endorsement of our executive leadership team and particularly uh, Commissioner Rogers. 
and I work with him closely uh, on a daily basis. Uh, very regular interaction around a, a range of uh, operational issues and uh, pieces of communication that we're seeing to make sure that he has a level of comfort. But at the same time, with an approach like this, he can't be across at all, uh, and our executive leadership team can't be across at all. So it's it's trust in the systems that we've got in place and the people that we've got in place to execute it uh, to the level and, and in the way uh, that we want it executed. So um, that's why we have a reputation management strategy in place. That's why we've been progressively building up our social media approach um, to make sure that our executive leadership team is comfortable with what we're doing. And, and they won't always be. Um, there's a, well, I remember a, a quote in a news article uh, with uh, Tom, the commissioner, talking about uh, exactly this approach and saying, I'm happy with about 95%, I think he said. And I went to him the next day and I said, well, show me the 5%, Tom. <laughs> Um, it, but you can't possibly be happy with it all because it, but you've got to be accepting of the fact that there is going to be language used uh, and responses given that are, that are not exactly how you as the electoral commissioner would frame it um, because otherwise you need to revert to a wholly inactive approach. Um, so it's a really strategic endorsement of what we're doing um, in response to the environment and we have uh, the endorsement of the electoral commissioner and the broader election uh, executive leadership team uh, and a really close connection. Without any one of those things, it couldn't work. And you mentioned just before that, you know, Commissioner Rogers obviously doesn't have the time to literally touch the, the keyboard as you were describing it. I'm really interested to hone in there if I can. And, and of course, I've done my usual LinkedIn stalking that I do um, uh, and, and like to see what people are up to online themselves. And, and he has a presence on LinkedIn, but he's certainly not active. So I'm wondering if you can share any insight around that decision and, and perhaps whether you see that there is an opportunity, obviously not right now. I appreciate there's plenty on for you to worry about and him to worry about personally. But, yeah, is, is this an opportunity, particularly given how active Commissioner Rogers is in mainstream media, is there an opportunity for him to be more active himself online? There's certainly an opportunity and it's not like we didn't think about it, uh, but we decided against it, uh, particularly for this federal election. Uh, whenever the commissioner talks, and of course we're talking for the commissioner on our social media channels, he, he runs the agency um, and, and we take that very seriously, even though at times we can seem a little bit brash in our commentary. It's a strategic approach endorsed by him, so we've got to take that really seriously. Um, but when it's actually attached to him as an individual, be it media appearances or online, it's got that extra little bit of gravitas. So we think very, very carefully about when he's talking and on what. Um, he's quite active in media. Um, we try and um, utilise his voice when we think it's most important. And, of course, the AEC, Independent Electoral Authority, we need to make sure that that's neutral and seen to be neutral and we get a broad cross-section of media uh, because people let us know about it if we do not. Um, so we use his voice very carefully, uh, making sure that we utilise his time as, as well as we possibly can to talk uh, to election issues because when he talks... It, it gets extra coverage, extra spread, uh, and people read into it a little bit more. So we decided against an online presence this election because we thought with his media appearances and the active approach that we're taking um, in our own corporate social media accounts, um, 
that that would be sufficient to be able to respond to the environment and really put the messages out there that we wanted to. But but there's a, there's a, there'll be a question mark moving forward as to whether or not the electoral commissioner, be it Tom or a future one, uh, should have an active presence to really complement what we're doing. And, of course, it wouldn't be as active as our corporate accounts, but um, to put messages out there uh, and respond to things occasionally, um, which would just give it that extra resonance in the community. So it'll be a continue, continued um, conversation about whether or not that's a, an appropriate or advantageous thing to do. It's a really interesting insight, Evan. Um, thank you for sharing that because, yeah, I appreciate there are a lot of conversations that would go on behind the scenes and what we only ever see um, you know, unless we're sitting in your chair, what we see is the, is the product of it. I know that from conversations with others working within the public service, there is, as you've described it, that that kind of concern, if I can call it that, or at least a, a bit of a, um, a pause and consideration around the perceptions of impartiality. I mean, you even describe it there in, in um, which media you, you do interviews with or don't and, and those perceptions of impartiality, particularly important when you go back to your strategy around electoral integrity, that there is seen to be impartiality. And one of the things that we know is a real driver and a real source of value for individual leaders, um, uh, public and private sector, is that ability to, to talk professionally, but to do so with a personal view and a personal lens and experience. And, and I appreciate the complexities of why that might be a hard one to just jump into in the lead up to a federal election. So we look forward to seeing what happens in the future. But before I jump on from the individual presence, I've got to ask you too, Evan, you're not on social either. Where, <laughs> where, where is Evan Egan-Smith hiding on social media? And, and what's your thinking behind that? I'm interested to know that too. Oh, I'm a ghost. I know I'm deliberately a ghost uh, online. Uh, and not for any other reason than I probably look at uh, online channels a little bit too much in uh, my vocation, and so my personal life can stay away from that. I have three young kids. I spend most of my time outside rather than on a screen. Uh, it's as simple as that. Um, I, I have zero social media accounts, and, and while I've had a couple uh, over the stretch over the past decade or so, it's been for a very short period of time, and then I thought, no, thank you. So... Uh, it's part of my job, uh, but it's it's not part of my personal life. That's fair enough. And I, I, I've got to laugh because I do, we're in similar circumstances. And I was saying to someone just the other day that I realised, oh, probably several months too late, that my own father had sent me a message, a direct message via Instagram that I had not picked up on because I just not checked the platform because I've been, as you say, out with the kids busy doing other things. Um, so, yeah, there you go, putting me back in my place. Now, one of the, one of the other things I want to um, uh, draw out that you raised earlier and one thing that I do think you guys do particularly well, and I think it's a, a, um, an untapped opportunity for a lot of organisations too in how they approach social media. Sometimes when we go and talk to people about, well, what happens if you open that Pandora's box, that can of worms, who knows what we're going to get thrown at us? And you describe it as, you know, you respond to or consider how you respond to every one of those queries, whether they're simple or whether they're complex and quite important. Would you say that listening, as far as social media listening goes, for you has been made easier in the sense that by building your presence online, you've essentially got an army now 
of advocates, of people who are, you know, drinking the AEC Kool-Aid, for want of a better phrase, and are now funneling queries towards you. So things that, conversations that may have been happening outside the four walls of the AEC previously, and what I mean by that is they're not tagging you in conversations. They might even be using shorthand acronyms, weird references to things that you don't necessarily immediately identify as part of a listening program. But you've got people out there, not minions, helpers, who are definitely firing things back to you to say, hey, guys, is this legitimate or not? How, how has that helped or hindered your social media progress? It's helped enormously, uh, and, and it is part of the strategy. I mean, we, we've got written on our wall uh, in, in the office uh, hearts and minds because it's about winning hearts and minds um, and making them realise, making the general population out there realise just how valuable Australian elections are uh, and how lucky we are that they run that the way they are because if you look to international democracies, not the case everywhere. People fight very hard for their vote and in a lot of cases don't get it. Access is pretty much universal in Australia unless you've got some uh, very extreme circumstances that you're climbing a mountain for a two-week period and we can't get to you. So um, winning hearts and minds is important um, and we do have an army out there and we have, we, we have a... I suppose we have a, a almost a small extension of the AEC's communication team in a very unofficial capacity in that I could probably reel off the names of 10-odd users who come to us on a very regular basis via our Twitter DMs and other channels uh, and show us things on Telegram or um, Reddit that they've seen and pointed out to us that there might be some mis- or disinformation around that we might want to take action on. So... It's, it's important. We, we do monitor social media outside our mentions as well, um, but we find that uh, users are a much more effective method than that. There's things that you can't get to in closed community groups and we're not, we're not the internet police, but we do want to be uh, in the know about these conversations uh, and our, our army of users, as you've uh, put them, uh, are much more effective than, than any sort of scraping or, or monitoring tool that we can do ourselves. I love that and, and I think, you know, Connecting the dots here for me, you talked originally about, you know, your reputation is that perception of others on you. It's, it's how the world sees you and, and you've got a very clear focus around why that reputation matters. Then in terms of building that operational capability, you need to be present, but you also need to be plugged in to the way that people use this environment. You don't necessarily connect elections. Well, I mean, you do in, in a negative context maybe, but you don't collect, connect electoral operations and that side of things with the digital savvy, fast-moving world of um, social media all the time. And so given that reputation focus, given that, um, you know, not natural, you're not an FMCG brand or a retail or fashion or someone like that who naturally plays in the Instagram space, what you've been able to do in building trust, rapport and credibility with audiences who now not only listen to you but also actively do your work. I think is a really good demonstration of what's possible to others in the public sector, but also the private sector too, in terms of respecting the environment and working out how to work in collaboration rather than being seen as, you know, an unwanted guest at the social media party. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, to some people, we are an unwanted guest still. Um, And we get that. You're never going to win over 100% of the population with anything that you do in the communication sphere. And, And particularly in elections, even though we are the independent administrator and, and to all uh, intents and purposes, we're, we're the boring part of the election. We're, we're the paper and the pencils and the cardboard. We simply facilitate people having their say. But people are so passionate about elections um, that they look towards the process. And, and there will always be people who haven't been happy with the results or 
uh, if they're spreading misinformation or disinformation. And, and we've been firm in response. Uh, people don't take kindly to that. So we do have a small amount of people out there who aren't on board with our approach. Uh, but overwhelmingly, uh, we have been, from what I've seen, building that army and, and, and trying to win hearts and minds. And, and even people that we're correcting, we we don't want to do it with any malice. We, we just want them to know the information, know the facts, and don't call elections into question. Uh, scrutiny is important, uh, but only when it's well informed. So you can't call elections into question uh, when there's no basis to do so. So that's why we take that approach. But there will always be some level of the population out there who uh, won't take kindly to what you're doing. So it's an interesting point because I do think that a lot of um, people feel uncomfortable with this idea that you, will all, you won't always have fans. You won't always be popular, but I like what you're saying there in terms of it, it doesn't matter if you're staying true to your purpose. And really, if we bring it back to what we're talking about here today, there will be times when you can be fun. There will be times when you can be aloof, as you said, but there will be times where you have to be factual and you have to be firm in order to ensure that the that your job is done. So I think it's an encouragement to others out there to not always play the popularity card. Yes, you need to understand and respect the environment, but also do so in a way that doesn't um, uh, prioritise pri- uh, popularity over purpose, I think is a really important message. Now, you guys are obviously, uh, and there's been a lot of discussion around the AEC social media efforts in recent times, um, no doubt. Who do you guys look to for inspiration? You said you've obviously done a fair bit of market research externally and seen what's happening globally in terms of trends and, and mis- and disinformation. Have you looked to any other authorities to say, well, who's doing this well offshore and what could we learn from them? Yeah, we obviously look at uh, electoral management bodies, uh, both in Australia and uh, overseas. We liaise a lot with our Canadian counterparts, Elections Canada, uh, and a number of forums that myself have been in on uh, talking about their social media efforts, both in monitoring it and responding. They're not quite like us, um, but they've taken a, a similar approach in some respects. So we've learned a lot, a lot off them. Uh, strangely enough, we've learned a lot off the Swedes. Um, we, we run a, both on social media, but other efforts as well, we run a campaign alerting people to disinformation called Stop and Consider. In large part, that was an unashamed copy of the Swedes. Um, so there's a lot of electoral management bodies out there that we talk to quite regularly and have a look at. But there's also other non-electoral management bodies that we have a look at as well, both public service and private sector. Uh, there's a wildlife organisation in North America who does an interesting job uh, online uh, in their re- responsive stuff. Um, everybody has a different context, though, and it's important to keep that that balanced. I mean, I talk to a lot of uh, public service counterparts who look at our presence and, and ask me a lot of questions, as you can imagine. Uh, but what we're doing as an independent electoral management body is not necessarily going to suit uh, a portfolio department. Um uh, for a range of reasons, including political and the fact that there there is a minister there tied to them. So uh, we've, in terms of Australian context, uh, we've seen what the various police forces uh, do in their online presences and they use humour uh, every now and again. Um, we're not a police force as well. And that context is critical. I mean, the police force, for instance, is talking about incredibly serious things like uh, crimes that have occurred, be them drugs, violence or what have you. So they've got a different a different environment to deal with reactively, but they use humour proactively quite a lot uh, to try and uh, engage with their audiences and I suppose humanise the police force. So we've had discussions with colleagues 
across departments as well. You take little bits and pieces from from a range of different agencies, but ultimately what we're doing is unique to us and our circumstances. I think that's good in terms of drawing what you can, but remembering again what it is you're there to do rather than a copy-paste approach. So Evan, again, in that spirit and not wanting to tell people exactly what they should do next, (laughs) but I am interested to know, if you were to give two or three key tips that aren't copy-paste what Evan's doing and what the AEC is doing, but more things for people to consider as they go on this journey, with reputation as the focus, how would you advise people step into this world and, and ensure that they're doing so, uh, protecting, building and enhancing that reputation rather than putting themselves in harm's way? I think looking carefully at risk, and that, this sounds like a very boring bureaucratic answer, but looking carefully at risk and plotting out uh, different approaches from the, the very active and um, very human voice right to, right back to the very uh, inactive and, and bureaucratic voice and carefully actually thinking about where the risks lie in all those different approaches um, because for some, a very active approach will represent a whole range of risks uh, that an inactive approach might not uh, and what are the dangers of all those. So looking at risk would be an important thing. Uh, the other thing would be your structures, Um, according to what those approaches are because you you can't leap into a very active world if you simply can't support it. Um, uh, I look at uh, how we had my area of the organisation resourced uh, in past elections and if we had it resourced like that, we would be absolutely drowning and not being able to actually deliver on the approach that we set out to deliver this time. So that's a really important thing as well. And I suppose put yourself in the audience member's shoes. Not not everybody who is engaging with your channel is going to like what you're doing, uh, but I know that when I interact with a public service organisation, I, I think everybody knows what's going to frustrate them. The sort of voice that they get back might might be what they expect uh, and roll their eyes, uh, and and what you would actually like. And we're not simply here to please every single individual user, uh, but there is there is a there is a way to engage with risk and use a voice. Uh, and an understanding of your audience to engage in a more meaningful way. So uh, th- those are some things. There's many more, um, but y- you really do need to, I suppose, sit down, stop, strategically think about your approach rather than just plugging on. Uh, easier said than done uh, and easier for us as an agency because we've got this big mammoth event that we that we look towards each time, whereas some people have a rolling agenda. But even with a rolling agenda, uh, as our, as our disinformation campaign says, stop and consider it and really think it through and potentially pivot where you need to. Absolutely. And Evan, this is the point of the interview where I usually say if people have questions or encouragements from today's discussion, from everything that you've raised, all the wonderful bits of advice, how should they contact you? Where can they find you online? But the answer is you're a ghost. So what's the best way for people to, without giving out your mobile phone number, what's the best way for people to reach you if they do have thoughts and comments around what the AEC is doing? I am a ghost, but you can reach out to me through the AEC's channels uh, and we can connect that way. So Twitter DM, uh, our media contacts, it's generally me picking up the phone or one of my team uh, answering their emails so you can get through to me in those channels. Wonderful. And look, thank you so much for sharing your time and insights today. I've gained a lot from this. I'm sure our listeners have too. So thanks for being part of your digital reputation. Thank you for having me on. Uh, Great chat. Thanks again for listening. If you've learned something from today's conversation, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with others. For all show notes, head to propelgroup.com.au. Thanks again for listening.